Arnaud Brunier is a well-known leader and visionary in the natural health arena. He lectures all around the world in chiropractic, health, healing and wellness. He founded MLS Adjusting Seminars, which brought a new rigor into postgraduate chiropractic training and injected passion and confidence into thousands of attendees. The effects of these are still seen rippling out into the profession. He has recently published a book called Cafe of Life and the Mosquito Principle. I loved his story, and not surprisingly, it is getting amazing reviews from the public as well as from within the profession. I'm honored that he agreed to join the Natural You, and I'm excited to share this episode with you. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Today, we have the famous Arnaud Brunier with us, and um, I'm really delighted. I was Amy Burke, our mutual friend, read his book and said, Tim, you have to interview Arno. And I was like, yeah, but he's like this amazing mythical dude in chiropractic. <laughs> and um, uh, let me read his book first. I read his book and I, she was dead right. I think we, we've got so many uh, interests and, uh, and passions in the same line. And so I asked her to reach out and, and contact Arno. And, and here we are. So Arno, first of all, thank you so much for taking time out to, to be with us today. You're very welcome. And actually, it's him. Thank you. I'm, I'm delighted to be on the show with you. It's going to be fun. Fantastic. Uh, Arno, you're, uh, you've, uh, you've just written a book or you published your book. And as I said, I've loved it. My, my CA has it now. I think it's mandatory reading for every chiropractor and every person interested in chiropractic or uh, chiropractic assistance. But you're saying it's having a marvelous uh, interest outside of the profession. Yes. The public has responded amazingly well. Uh, the first two people that read it actually were people that were over 90 years old. One was a PhD in uh, biophysics and the other one was a CEO of a bank. And when they read it, they say, I wish I had known about chiropractic before and I'm going to pass it on to my children and my grandchildren. So that was the first public response that I had. But after that, from the general public, it has been amazing. People uh, felt either supported, understanding chiropractic as a deeper level, even though I want to emphasize the book is not about chiropractic. I'm not trying to sell chiropractic. I'm not trying to push chiropractic. But the book, through the story and through my experience and the things that I witnessed, I weave into it all kinds of vitalistic principles that apply to life, to health, to healing, to well-being, to sickness and disease, to the understanding of symptoms, to the birth process, the dying process, to spirituality. So weave into this are all of those vitalistic principles that are the foundation of chiropractic philosophy and chiropractic principle. So as a result, when the public reads the book, they go, oh, I didn't realize the magnitude of chiropractic. I didn't realize what was involved in it. Uh, and then obviously there is a section on the neurospinal system, which I made it, I think, very captivating for the public, very intriguing for the profession even. Um, but the essence of what we do is to address people at the core of our being, which is a neurospinal system, which is the channel to which life force, which powers the body flows. So I felt... This is a really great approach. Now, obviously, from the profession, amazing comment, amazing feedback, reviews. So didn't expect any of that. I was like, when I put the book out, I said, hmm, I wonder what's going to happen. And then, boom, 
it went. It must be a daunting prospect to put your work out there and uh, and then wait for and sort of wait for feedback. So um, that must be hugely validating. My my mom used to say the most interesting people have had some of the toughest experiences in life, and I think. I think uh, what makes it so interesting is your stories because you haven't had it easy and you've had a lot of trauma in your family and uh, in your personal life. And the way that you present that so beautifully and uh, without judgment and uh, with a with a, an air of forgiveness um, is, uh, is, I think, is beautiful and a lesson for a lot of us um, because we can get caught up in, in our own dramas and our own traumas and uh, and get held back by those and um and somehow you your stories for me seem to to echo that so uh, that was really beautiful and, and stories people love can relate to and i think your stories are hugely relatable um so yeah very, very uh, congratulations and, and well done on, on a great job thank you tim one of the feedbacks that i've had for many people is how much healing they felt out of the book for themselves. Because indeed, through my life journey, I've had a significant amount of wounds and trauma. And But, you know, we can use a wound and a trauma as something to pity yourself, to feel victim to, and so on and so forth. But in reality, every single trauma that we have had, every single wound that we have had is a gift. We can turn it into a gift. And the gift is to increase our understanding of other human being. The gift is to increase our compassion. So basically to turn wounds and, and trauma into gift and actually the journey of healing from them comes from not only having forgiveness for ourselves, forgiveness for the perpetrator, but also to transcend to the next level, which is to have gratitude for the perpetrator. And that's very tough for some people to make that last step. But it is a step that once it's made, there is enormous freedom, enormous letting go of this burden, this baggage that we carry. So then when we have made that step, indeed, we discover, oh, this trauma, this wound, this is assault, this insult, this violation, whatever it is, mm. is a gift. Yeah. And I can use that gift throughout my life. And uh, I think easy, easy to say, but not so, not so easy to do. <laughs> it's a journey. It's a journey. It's a process. Absolutely. And so the, the name of the book is The Cafe of Life and the Mosquito Principle. So it's almost two titles. Can you, can you tell us uh, what those mean um, or how you came by them? All right. So The Cafe of Life is a practice model that I felt I was practicing in when I started practicing in 19. 19- 78. So for me, a practice, a chiropractic practice is a place where we share, we teach, we infuse, we inspire people with the life principle, the vitalistic principle, the philosophy of chiropractic, the science of chiropractic, which is basically the understanding of all of the science of life, from biology to physiology to anatomy, cardiology, you name it. And then also to infuse the public, to share with the public the inherent principle, the vitalistic principle of chiropractic philosophy. So for me, a chiropractic practice is a place where you teach and share the philosophy, the science, and also deliver the art. In delivering the art of chiropractic, we're releasing 
the elixir of life in the body. We are releasing life force in the body. So life force, as we know, is the power that animates the living body. Obviously, a corpse doesn't have a life force. It's not alive. It cannot adapt. Uh, but a human body can adapt. It can grow, transform, excrete, assimilate. All of the signs of life are there. So the life force is a spirit that powers a body. And that life force, that life energy, flows through the neurospinal system and through the nerve system to reach every single tissue cell in the body. So in the cafe of life model, in a practice, we serve life, we share life, we release life, we dispense life. So that's a cafe of life model. And I thought in the book, I will talk about the principles of life, the principle of health, the principle of healing. The mosquito principle, on the other hand, is something that I have read years ago from the Dalai Lama. Let's say, if you think you're too small to make a difference, try sleeping with a mosquito. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, that's amazing. This tiny little thing can make a big difference in the world and in our experience. So the essence of the mosquito principle is that no one is too small to make a difference. Mm. And Tim, as you know, when we are young and we are passionate, we may be, you know, idealistic maybe, we stumble into some things that really transform our lives, like a chiropractic principle and philosophy and a profession that dwell into life, health, healing, wellness, and well-being. We may be very passionate, but we feel like, you know, I, I'm small. How can I make a difference? And then as we mature and grow, we realize, no, any human being can make a difference. Mm. It's a matter of fact that we only have to touch our soul to follow our own purpose or reason for being, and then let it unfold with the support of the universe. And then suddenly you realize, oh, yes, I've impacted many lives. I've touched many lives. I'm making a difference in the world. Mm. And it's it's so easy. I mean, I was just contemplating that today to to get used to those things and those those miracles or the small miracles we see and the, the lives we touch. And oh, that was that was yesterday. That was yesterday. And um, and we and we get blase and you go, well, what 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 difference am I really making? You know. Um, and um, it's a it's a constant sort of as you say, yeah, mosquito has to keep on buzzing around, right? To to keep <laughs> moving around, to keep in the ears, and um, there's 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 this joke about that as well. I think about um, if you think force is the only way, try uh, try killing a mosquito that lands on your testicles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to go there, but I remember being in areas of the world where there was mosquitoes. And you sleep with the mosquitoes and you think, okay, okay, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. And every time you miss it, it's it's absolutely uncanny. So, uh, yeah. They, they're wily. They are wily. And, you know, the only way to really deal with the mosquito is to turn on the light and spot it on a wall, which is interesting because also the mosquito principle is turn on the light. Ah. Turn on the light in the world. Brings a light out of yourself. Good, I like that. I like that. That's a it's a great add-on. It's very it's very good. <laughs> um, something you sort of were just a, sort of leaning into a little bit there, and, and I picked up from your book was being um, open to the universe and being open to experience. Um, 
you know, I sometimes say that to myself. Well, I'm open. I'm open to see what happens. Or, but maybe maybe inside, I'm a little bit resistant to those, or I'm not fully open. How do you go about uh, really opening yourself to opportunity to what the universe can can give you? Because I I feel that's something that you've been able to do, which I perhaps feel restricted, and others maybe too. You know, we. We, we want to experience that, but we perhaps hold back a little bit or aren't fully able to release. So years ago, I read a book by Fred Barge called Chiropractic, Life Without Fear. And I thought, chiropractic is not life without fear. Chiropractic is life in trust of universal intelligence, in trust of innate intelligence, the inborn intelligence that every human being is born with, in trust of the power of life force. So when early on I made that distinction for myself, I decided I'm going to trust life. Now, being open doesn't mean that you're sitting there in your chair and say, I'm going to open a practice. I'm going to serve the humanity. And you you sit in your chair. There is something as being active, but in that activity to still be passive, which means you're active in passivity and you are passive in activity. And that's when you open up yourself to, yes, I'm going to open practice, I'm taking action, but I'm also going to let the universe show me, let life show me, huh, Oh, this opportunity falls on my lap. Do I start questioning it with my head? Do I start to dwell into like the pros and cons and should it be that, should it be that? Or life just handed you this opportunity on a silver platter. Don't even question it. And what I've learned over the years is that life speaks in threes. You have a repetition usually of three messages, whether it's a visual message, an auditory message, an encounter, life speaks in three. And as soon as I have this confirmation, then I know that's a path. That's where I'm going. Even if it doesn't seem to make sense on a rational basis, I'm going to trust it. So you might have an opportunity presented to you. And then are you looking for another sign, like a word or a uh, another thing, or how would that kind of present? Um, um, so you need, do you need the all three, or can you sometimes just go on the one? Or sometimes you, you just feel it in your intuition and in your instincts. There is a distinction between intuition and instinct. Okay, so when when both of them talks, then you know it's a home run. Uh, you know, I remember. I think they were called the Pete's. They were chiropractors that graduated from Life University. And they were driving, looking for a place to practice, and their car broke down in a very small town. They had no money. And they went, well, I guess that's where we're supposed to practice. And they became, in no time, virtually overnight, the biggest show in town, because it was a very small town, and there was not much happening. And they they grew a huge practice. Here is a good example. It was like, yeah, that's where life dumped me. This Life stopped me. This is where life showed me. And I'm going to listen to that. And I believe that when you listen 
through the message from life and you let life guide the river of your own life, then there is a certain ease. There is no decision to be made. There is just an acknowledgement to what presents itself. And for me, in my own experience, it has made my life just this flow, this river that took me different places, but always like, wow, this was just perfect. For example, when I gave a practice in Pennsylvania and I moved to Colorado, we went on a skiing vacation in Colorado. We had no intention to move to Colorado. And then I hurt myself, so I couldn't ski for a few days. So Jane and I, my wife, we decided, oh, let's just explore the town of Durango, Colorado. And we saw this beautiful enclave with greenery, with waterways, which was unusual for that area of Colorado. And we pulled in and we looked at a house and there was, we went to see the real estate agent. We looked at a house, but the house was for sale, but it needed a lot of renovation. So we walked through the yard. There was four acres of land. And we turned around and we went like, oh, huh, if this house next door was for sale, probably we would buy it. And Christine, the real estate agent, said, you know what? I know those people. They're a friend of mine. I'm going to ask them if you can at least see this house so that you know what you could do with the house that's for sale. Yeah. So we went in and we were like, oh, my God, this is everything we want. This is exactly the floor plan that we want. This is beautiful and an incredible views and all this, but it's not for sale. So we're thanking the lady. Her name was Patty Neller. We're thanking her. We're almost all back in the car. I'm the last one stepping into the front passenger uh, seat. And I'm about to close the door. And Patty Neller, the owner, opened the door and said, oh, by the way, I don't know if you're interested, but my husband and I decided to sell this home last night. Last night? Last night. And I said, well, do you know what you want for it? She said, no, but... You know, I, I'll talk to my husband and we'll let you know. I gave her my phone number. We were staying at a resort 10 minutes away. Long story short, we bought a house that wasn't for sale yet. <laughs> they just had decided to sell it last night, right? We bought it sight on scene, no inspection, nothing. As it turned out, this house has the best view in the Animals Valley. Not only the best view, but it bought a 500-acre organic ranch, with, which is in nature conservancy, so the view can never be touched. 180 degree, beautiful views of nature with gorgeous red cliff. And then I was in a transition out of practice in Pennsylvania, and people had asked me, you have to teach the profession what you're doing in practice, because not every chiropractor practices that way. It's a matter of fact that when we send friends, family, to chiropractor in other states, they have a very different experience than what we have in your practice. You need to teach it. Well, seven minutes from my house that we just bought was a beautiful resort, which is also a conference center. And boom, it fell on my lap, a place to start doing what was called at the time Masterpiece Training Camp, which was a six-day intensive training for chiropractor, which I would label the Navy SEAL of chiropractic. That's what it was. Intense. So it all fell on my lap. See, no question I asked, how's it for sale? We had not seen anything else in Durango. We knew nothing about the area. Wow. 
but it fell on my lap. Wow. So, so there's no question. That's an example. And that's of the just... trust that you were talking about, you know, the trust. Yes. And, yes. and it, it really strikes me because uh, from reading your book in your early childhood, you know, it, I wouldn't, didn't strike me as a particularly trustful environment, you know. Um, <laughs> so for someone to have been, to have had that and, and then still be so trusting, um, I find that really, really intriguing and, and amazing. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, when you say trust, I'm, I, I, I love the idea and I feel like I trust myself sometimes, but to, to go into that depth, is there some, do you think there was? Well, Tim, let, let, let's move to another level of okay. trust. You cut yourself in the kitchen with a knife. Yep. You look at your finger, it's bleeding. What's the first instinctual thing that people have? Put in their mouth to suck the blood, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it stopped bleeding. By the way, the saliva has antiseptic property. Yeah. Right? It's also healing salva. The salt creates contraction of the blood vessel. Yeah. And then do you doubt that it's going to heal? Or every human being says, oh, no, of course it's going to heal. Even if you cut yourself so deeply that you need stitches, nevertheless, it's not the stitches that are going to heal the cut. Mm. Because a corpse yeah. could have stitches and a cut, it will never heal. Yeah. It's a life force, the vitality within us that creates the repair process. And every surgeon knows that. Mm. Yes, it was a surgery, but it's an inner capacity of the body to heal, the innate wisdom of the body that performs the healing. So we trust this. We have a broken bone. We trust that. Mm. Yet it maybe it's put in a cast, right? But we trust that. The bone repair will take place and the mending will take place. So unbeknown to us, we trust a lot more than we think. Yeah, I like that. You know, and I'm thinking, for example, you go on an airplane. Yeah. You trust the machine. You trust the pilot. You trust the crew. You go on an elevator. You trust the cable. We trust a lot more than we think. Yeah. But we don't reflect on that. And so yeah, then you can expand that level of trust to something a little bit more complex or deeper mm. and just realize it works. So we have it. And I was just, I, I just come back from a cycle and I was on the road with, you know, and there were cars whizzing past me and I trusted them, right? To give yeah, me a wide berth yeah. and not cut me off, knock, knock me over. So, um, so I, I like that. So we, so you looking, you're looking for trust all the time. And so when you're looking at trust. Looking for trust all the time. You're going to start trusting more. Yeah. Looking, trusting, you know, we trust our bodies to heal. When we adjust our, our, our clients, we're trusting that they're going to heal. Um, and, you know, we're looking for trust all the time. Then we're going to see more of it. So I, I, think, I think I can use that. I think I can use that. Yeah, whatever you focus your mind on is actually what you start to hone in on. So you start trusting life and suddenly you realize, huh, yeah, I trusted here, I trusted there, I trusted there. Oh, it's working for me. Mm. So it's a it's a beautiful way to live life. I, I, I'm going to uh, start doing that a lot more and uh, and uh, hopefully it'll the river will take me on the on the journey. Well it has taken me so far and um, but I'm I'm interesting to to open open more to that and I'm sure others yeah, and you know, Tim, there is always a naysayer, right? There is always the people that say, oh, yeah, well, you rode your bicycle, but my cousin got hit by yeah, a car, yeah. right? There is always people that will take that one exception and make 
rather than looking at the thousands of people that ride bicycle, that maybe the 10,000 that ride bicycle that trust the process, and then the one person that got hit and suddenly they say, oh, now I, I don't want to ride my bicycle. It's too dangerous, right? So there is no guarantees in life. That's something that we have to know. There is no guarantees. But if there is a choice between trust and fear or trust and doubt, I'll pick trust anytime. A choice between trust and doubt. Choose trust. I like it. I like it. Um, and and I, I also like the, the element of focusing you know, where your attention is. Um, you know, occasionally I'm driving to work and someone will cut me off and I'll go, oh, that asshole, uh, you know. Uh, and then, but, but you know, if we had a hundred, few hundred cars, you know, every week that don't do that, but we choose to focus on that one negative, right? Oh, that's a... Correct. So looking to... And then that one person that cut you off may put you slightly out of timing with 10 miles down the road, a truck that was going to run the stop sign and would have plowed into you. Instead, pass right behind you. Or instead of every so, single car that passes you going, wow, there's, there's trust in action. There's trust. There's trust. There's trust. Yeah. You know, and a hundred, if you said that to yourself a hundred times every car, then when that one came past, you go, oh, well, that's one out of a hundred. That's, uh, that's pretty, that's pretty low. <laughs> That's right. That's uh, right. Gonna... There's always a message to read, an opportunity to say, hmm, maybe it's saving my life. This person that cut me off saved my so life. So are you looking for those signs around you all the time? Are you looking out for signs and symbols? or Not really. It's just an awareness and a, I would say a vigilance. And with that awareness suddenly you realize, huh, here is a sign. Here is a second sign. Here is a third sign. Mm. Or I'm aware that everything in my being is saying no. Or everything in my being is saying yes. And I'm going to trust the no or the yes. Mm. Early on in life, when we are young and we get into amorous relationships, Sometimes we meet somebody and we are very, quote, attracted. And yet everything is saying, uh-oh, trouble, don't. So do we listen <laughs> or not? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes the reverse is true. You know, you're, you're not that attracted, but there is this amazing co connection, communication, friendships that grows. Mm. And then the head goes, oh, no, they got to be better. they got to be better someplace. But we realize that, you know, friendship, the foundation of an amorous relationship, the common value, uh, the common likes in life are so important because that's how a strong, powerful relationship is based upon, not just the firework of chemistry. Because the fireworks of chemistry will eventually over time die off. But the friendship, the common values, the common likes in life, we're on the same page about health, we're on the same page about fitness, we're on the same page about nature, about travel, about adventure, whatever mm -hmm. it is, then we have common values that we can be together. So that's an example of learning to trust when even sometimes 
something said, you know, I'm not that attracted to that person, but in reality of all the people that I've met, or all the amorous relationships that I've tempted, this is a really great connection. This is, it feels so in, in, in conf, in, in uh, what do you call it? Uh, confidence in French, uh, that you feel you can trust that person implicitly. Yeah. And there's that word again, trust, right? So, there's that, there's that, uh, there's yes. that word again. Um, so for for me, when I have those experiences of a new opportunity, um, sometimes I'm excited, but a bit scared. It's like getting up on stage to speak, right? We're we, it's exciting uh, and it's a bit nervous, but that's our body saying, "Hey, get ready for this." Um, how do so? I, I used to do. I do. I did a lot of rock climbing, things like that, and. So you're up on the rock face, and it's it's scary but exciting at the same time. Um, but it's you know the fear is a good thing. Is saying don't be an idiot, you could die. Um, be safe. Um, how do you do that when when a, an opportunity comes to you and you're excited about it, but there's a little bit of fear saying, hey, maybe maybe you know this could be dangerous in another way. How do you balance those when with these with your openness? Correct and. I think you refer to public speaking and public speaking, I believe, even when people are really good at it, usually there is still a level of apprehension, a level of taming the tiger, the anxiety. Uh, sometimes there is very little of it for whatever reason. Sometimes there is a lot of it for other reasons. Uh, to stay present in the now moment really helps. I think in rock climbing, that is a very big thing to just not go ahead or behind, but to be really present. What I've learned over the years, and I've done a lot of public speaking, is for some reason, sometime I come in and I'm as relaxed as it can be. Another time, internally, I'm a nervous wreck. And after 40 some years of doing it, I still haven't found a formula. But what I've learned is that if I can stay present and pay attention to the conversation, a lot of time when you're about to go on stage, for example, there is people that are there talking to you. And my mind is already focused on what's going to happen next. So I'm listening to them, but I'm not really engaging them because I don't want to have that engagement with them at that point. But I'm listening with an awareness And then suddenly, out of what they say, there is one word that's going to jump out in my consciousness. And that's my gift from life. That's my anchor. And I will use that word as a starting point to my talk. Now, sometimes you can do a public speaking talk, which is, I believe it's called speaking in extra temporaneous time. Like in present time consciousness, nothing is prepared. It's a flow that comes out of you, like it is right now between us. But it's always good to have a backup plan. Because if for whatever reason you cannot tap into the flow, at least you have a backup plan and you're not going to falter. It will be work during that public speaking. And since you have done it, you probably can relate to it. Suddenly you're working your talk. Mm. But if you're able to anchor yourself to that one word that's jumped, leaped into your awareness and use that, then suddenly you enter a flow. 
And yes, you may take pieces out of the prepared talk, but it's not in a rigid way. It's a very fluid way. And then suddenly it's a great joy. And instead of walking off the stage with tension and a headache, you walk off the stage with amazing energy and radiance, mm -hmm. right? So that's a good example of how you navigate opportunities and then use them to your benefit. So, so you, you trust and you're open to the flow, and, but in the knowing that that's not always going to be there every time for whatever reason. So you have a backup plan uh, to, to work with. So you're not just being stupid and just going in, okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go out there and, and, and wait for the message so I can deliver. Um, you have some structure. And it, would you find that in, in, uh, in other, uh, sounds like you do that in life as well. It's like, okay, well, here's a backup plan, but I'm going to be open to what the universe shows me. Yeah. For example, team in practice, you can either show up, you know, out of the stupor from having parties the night before and show up in practice and think like, oh, well, you know, it's all going to work out. I'm just going to be there and I'll be like totally tuned in to people and I'm going to adjust them well or not. Or you can prepare yourself like a professional. Train, mm. be prepared in advance. And I always relate to practice with sports. You look at professional athletes it's not like they go like, you know, I'm pretty good at basketball. I'm just going to show up on the court and it's going to be okay. I'll be in the flow. No, they train endlessly so that suddenly when they enter the game, they can be completely out of the way and enter the flow of the game rather than working the game. Mm. It's the same thing in practice. So I think in public speaking, for example, to go back to that example, is to have preparation to have talking points, to have a message, to have a vision is important. But then can you let go of that, which is what an athlete does when it enters a court for a professional game. They let go of mm. all of that training and all that preparation, and now they go into the game. And you will hear athletes say, it's amazing. The game was playing through me. In practice, you will hear chiropractor, I am not doing it. I'm an instrument of spirit, of the divine, of my soul working through me. Where at other times I'll say, oh, that was a tough day. I was trying to figure it out. I was trying to, I was all in my head. I wasn't in my senses. I wasn't in my heart. I was all in my head trying to figure it out. And it was hell. And we all know that, practitioners. We've all been there. Yeah, yeah or, or people in, in tennis or in you know, American football or in soccer. Same thing. Uh, I, I, was, I was working the game. It just didn't work out. Instead of like, I already knew where the ball was going to be. And here I was, yeah. you know. So yeah. that's a part of, of life that is very fun. Yeah, so, uh, so you mentioned a planning practice and I presume with that comes drills and mental, emotional, physical training. Um, and that then allows you to have all the skill set to be able to get into the flow. So exactly. whether you're basketball and you're practicing shooting hoops uh, for free throws, um, then when it comes to the time, 
you know, it's just going to be there. Yeah. Because it's, yeah, everything's there. But then you're also in the game, like you say, you're reading the play, you're open to it because you don't have to worry about that skill set. It's done. And you can just be open to the opportunities. Absolutely. And, and that's where the joy that's- and the fulfillment comes in, you know. Uh, I know, I, you know, professional athletes get paid very well. Yet, I think even if they didn't get paid, they would just go for it because of the joy and the fulfillment, you know, and the satisfaction that they gain. In many ways, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes we say, oh, you know, Tim, you as a chiropractor, you're so selfless, you give of yourself, you're so in your heart, you're so loving with your hand, you know, you welcome people really well. But behind all this is a selfishness to fulfill ourselves for the joys that we're going to acquire as a result of it. So I remember Mm. someone's looking at Mother Teresa's life and saying, you know, what a life of service. And that person said, everyone has a compelling reason for what they do, which is selfish. And I reflected on that. And I remember sending a letter to Tom Gilardi, the first president and the founder and the visionary for Sherman College of Chiropractic, a letter of gratitude for what I gain out of it, what I received from my education at Sherman. And he replied, I must be one of the most selfish men on earth because I so enjoy what I did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I reflected on that and I was like, yeah, to some degree that's true. We all we all have that drive uh to to uh serve ourselves through serving others. And there's that to serving others. Yeah, that, there is so much joy to gain yeah, to you, be harvested from. I mean, it, if you, you know? if you help an old lady across the street, don't you feel good? You know, exactly, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and and you're doing it's it, awesome. you're doing it for her, but you get such a kick out of it too, you know. So, um, and I think that's the beauty of, of what we do and how blessed we are um, in our professions, or most caring professions, you know, is that we are. And the principle of life: give, and you shall receive. So, in giving of yourself, you receive this joy, this fulfillment, mm. uh, this appreciation, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, and and not to feel guilty for that when those when those rewards do come, you're like, well, yeah. well, I don't, no. you know, I don't, uh, I'm not worthy of that, you know. There's that, there's right that, to that, receive that. Yeah, that was a block for me for a while, you know. And perhaps still is a little bit. Is like, you know, well, who am I to have these blessings? You know, what am I, what what makes me so special to have this life? Or, um, you know, right. so the, the, that can that was, you know, I could say um, I have worth. And what I do is, is, is has worth, but I couldn't say I'm worthy. You know? And that was like a huge kind of block for me. And then, and then I was able to do that, a big kind of breakthrough. And I was like, okay, yeah. Um, but there's still some times where I go, okay, well, wow, we're really doing well in practice and, and uh, things are just flowing in. I, I, wow, I'm, I'm not such an amazing businessman. How can this happen to me? You know, uh, those kind of those, uh, negative things. And I should, uh, not that I should shit on myself, but um, – perhaps be more open to the good things that come with the gifts that, that we give. Exactly. And gratitude, gratitude for all the blessings that we receive. And as you know, as chiropractor, when you really practice from a principal place and you give of yourself out of your heart with the best skill possible, 
you know, you receive so many blessings from life and to have gratitude for that is very important. Yeah. Gratitude for all the people yeah, that come to see us, you know. Mm. Uh, mm. Mm. Very, very important to hold on to those, those really important tenets. Um, in your in your training, you know, all the, the preparation and the the way you approach it, like a, a professional athlete would. And I know you uh, you set up the MLS seminars. Um, and I, I heard there was mastery, love, service, and then I've also heard it's making love to the spine. Correct. So, um, and I wasn't sure which one it was, and uh, <laughs> or, if, or is it both? Um, uh, could you could you enlighten us? So years ago, in 1984, when I started teaching MLS, I needed to shock the profession because I felt that since 1961, when B.J. Palmer died, the skills of the profession declined progressively over time. And people were abandoning the art of adjusting and it was getting worse and worse and worse. And I saw something needs to be done to bring back up the skills, because if you look at any other discipline, the skills are not going down, they are going up. To the degree that in tennis, a champion in 1980 couldn't even make the quarterfinal or, or the 16th round 10 years later, because the skills are improving. Yeah. So I decided we're going to turn this board around and bring the professional training level so that the skill start to climb back up. So at the beginning, I wanted to shock the profession by, you know, most of you in the profession have been taught to adjust by bringing the neck to tension, creating a lock, and then pushing a little bit on it and hearing a pop. And you call that an adjustment. When an adjustment is actually bringing everything to a place of ease so that the neurospinal system, the meningeal system, Everything is at ease and the spinal cord floats in the neural canal. And then from that place, deliver a very specific fall at lightning speed to a very specific arc for the listings that you have found in the body. So I decided we're going to call it making love to the spine because I felt that the way we were being taught was raping the neurospinal system. And in spite of raping the neurospinal system, we would witness clinically pretty damn good results. So can you imagine where we could take the outcome if we were to make love to the spine? So for years, we call it MLS, making love to the spine. But then once we had broken the field, once the awareness was there in the profession, we changed it to mastery, love and service. So wow, that's a okay. foundation. And as you know, MLS has been at the hub of this movement now within the profession of professional training with all kinds of seminars that have spring like the spoke of a wheel. And every single one of them come from senior staff that had been trained at MLS time and time over and then decided it's time for me to do my own thing and start my own seminar which is all good because in many ways it further my vision of raising the bar in the profession. So I'm very glad that all this happened in spite of the fact that sometimes it felt like it was done without integrity. Mm. In other time it was done with integrity. But all of those spokes, all of those seminars 
they all stem from MLS. Well, that's and that's a real credit to you. So because there are so many um, people who perhaps uh, get a technique or a principle and apply those, and and then they then don't want to let it go, and they're not able to let their students then fly, and they don't, they want to keep it under their banner and their name, um, and so to have allowed that and to be able to allow your students to fly and to start their own things, as you say, not always in an ideal way, but um, I think it's beautiful and, and very honoring. And, uh, and, and I, I want to say thank you for that because I know some of those guys um, personally and, um, you know, and I think they, a lot of them are doing a really good job right. and are, are really lift, raising that bar and, um, and and I think that's wonderful. So even though I haven't been to an MLS MLS seminar, um, I've been to some of those other ones, and um, so I feel like there's some lineage there. And uh, and I think you should be really some lineage. Yes. You should be really proud of that. Um, uh, so so thank you, thank you for that. And, thank you, team. And for and not holding on to it. One thing I want to emphasize, team, is. <clears throat> As I've watched many of the other seminars, I've watched many of their programs, I've had feedback from many of their programs. Yet I would say that one thing that MLS has that nearly all of them do not have is the metaphysical and the physical part of the adjustment, the total presence in the now present time consciousness and the, the full open-heartedness. Mm. That combination of training people in the metaphysical and physical part of the adjustment is very unique to what we do. So that's something I want to really emphasize because I feel in time, maybe those seminars will get there, but yeah. most of them have only taken the physical part of the, the adjustment. Technical, the technical aspects. The, the training, the physical training, and all these technical mm -hmm. aspects. So, so with that, and, and as we as we lead to a to a close, Honor, um, can you give me and some of the other listeners who in the caring fields, particularly chiropractic, um, a tip or tip or three on how to enhance that that metaphysical element um, and the the non physical elements in our, you mentioned present time consciousness or or like. How do, we, how do we get into that space and, and how do we maintain that space? So obviously the practice of meditation, mm -hmm. the practice of intense physical preparation, because when you have trained intensely physically and your body is trained to have what is called an engram in the musculature, a programming in the musculature for very specific art at specific speed for each listing, then you can start to let go of it and it's no longer a concern, which means now you can be more grounded, mm -hmm. centered in present time consciousness. And then the, the biggest factor beyond all of that is to nurture and articulate the heart muscle so that you can be out of your head, into your heart, and in a totally loving space. Beautiful, beautiful. If you can approach every single one of your clients, your patients, your practice member, whatever you want to call them, if you can approach them as if they were the most precious human being, your own newborn baby, and approach them with that much love, that much care, that much tenderness, 
and then also that much honoring to honor their being, to honor their neurospinal system, to honor the adjustments that's being delivered. Because as you know, every adjustment is going to be different because every person is different, mm. different age, different background, different history, different texture of the spine, tension of the muscle, and so on and so forth. So to tune in to that level, that is the metaphysical part of the adjustment that needs to be embraced and nurtured and trained for. Wonderful, wonderful. So we have the meditation as a tool that we can all use before and to ground ourselves. And, and then the physical training you mentioned, both obviously just getting ourselves ready, but also the practicing of the, of the adjustments and getting ourselves into that state of ease so we're not bunched up and tense ourselves and get those muscles, that repeated muscle memory, um, and then learning and to work with the client, tapping into their state um, and, and learning. And I think that, that last one is probably the biggest challenge because the other two, we kind of got a lot of, we, there are lots of ways to be able to do that. Whereas that third state um, is to, for me, is to do that reproducibly and to say, this person is this perfect creation and, uh, and, and to honor that um, without getting into my head or being distracted by something else. Um, and also, team, to be able to see them new every visit. Mm. Like team today is not the same team on Friday. Maybe the same name, but not the same team. Ah. Many things may have changed. You may have changed your diet, your belief system. You may have fallen in love. You may have fallen out of love. So we have to recognize that team of today on Tuesday that millions, if not billions of cells have died by the time teams come back on Friday to see me in the office. So by seeing a person in you as a novelty with the same name each time, every visit, then the adjusting process becomes very fluid and dynamic Ooh, rather like than a repetitive treatment. Well, I, I really like that, Arno. That's going to be really helpful for me because... Um, you know, uh, you know. Everyone knows that that first visit. There's always that little bit of extra care because that's their first time, right? If we're making love to the spine and this is their first time, you want to make it. Right, you want to do right. it right. You know. Um, so um, that's going to be a lasting memory for them. And so, if that's if we can approach it each time like that, then I, I think that's going to be hugely beneficial. Well, certainly, I'm just going to take that on board straight away. So. Thank you for that pearl. I was hoping for a, a personal pearl, and I got it. Um, it, took got us, it. <laughs> it took us right to the line. But in all that wisdom, there's so much there. And um, I just want to, again, say thank you for, for your book. Thank you for your life of service. Um, I'm honored that you were able to join us today. And um, thank you again. And I'm going to put uh, in the close, I'll put a, uh, more details about your book, uh, and so that people can can get hold of that, and I really encourage people to do that. Great, thank you so much, Jim. It was fun. I really enjoyed it. Awesome, thank you very much. Wow, that was so cool for me to chat with Arno. I hope you enjoyed it too. If you haven't already, I highly recommend you buy his book. The Amazon link is in the show notes. This week, why not join me in repeating and owning this phrase? I trust my body to heal, just like I trust my instincts and my intuition. I trust my body to heal, just like I trust my instincts and my intuition. 
Let me know how you get on with that and how much you enjoyed this episode by giving it a rating or leaving a comment. Thanks for listening.